Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. It just hasn't been a good month. I ask questions. I get the wrong answers. Or no answer. The one that gets me is when I get nothing in dead air. What can I say? Sometimes you stump me a little bit. I I feel like just showing up. (laughs) (laughs) there's a certain underlying theme to the show who's the foil (laughs) if you you can't figure out the foil of the show we might as well just bring Tony in (laughs) get the lingerie on the deck call the janitor I deserve that one <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're having a good time today. Uh, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, best in pre-owned inventory because that has a Sunbury Motors guarantee. And whether it's inspections, routine, or diagnostics, they handle all of it in that great service department. It is one-stop vehicle shopping for the life of the vehicle every time. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. We're at Scarcella in a moment. Play-by-play call of the day. Providence prevails in triple overtime over Xavier. A couple of people complained, couple, only a couple, that the Providence-Xavier game was going so long they were missing out on Wyoming and Colorado State. Okay. <laughs> F-O-U-L-E-C, that I realize Wyoming's ranked 22nd. I got that. But I mean, you sit back and go, really? <laughs> this game's so good. What are you talking about? All right, let's turn to Rich Scarcella, Redding Eagle. Rich, welcome. It's always great to have you with us. Great to hear from you, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well, and I uh, hope you are doing well. hope your family's well. Uh, interesting times. Uh, there's so much going on with name, image, and likeness, transfer portals, winter workouts, and college football playoff 
and TV contracts. So let's get to the college football playoff. You know, I don't know if we're all surprised at this hour. Based on recent events, it's going to stay at four for a bit. But what did you think? Uh, I, I thought that's what they were going to do all along, that they weren't going to tear up the uh, existing contract. I do think when this is over, I think it's 2026. Yes. Contract ends. I believe uh, you're going to see eight and possibly 12 teams in the playoff. Would I have liked to have seen that sooner? Yes, but I, I didn't expect them to change that. All right. Now, uh, let me bring this up as a, as a side. Right now for networks, you know, they, you know, they could have bid on it if it went to 12. Right. Okay. Well, that's not going to happen for a couple of years. The NHL is off the NBC books at $100 million a year. Does the Big Ten actually benefit with its TV contract up next that they could get more money and then eventually get the benefit of an expanded playoff? Oh, I think the Big Ten is going to pursue what the best deal it possibly can. And, you know, if that's with NBC, that's with NBC. The, the interesting thing, and again, I'm not telling you anything new, is that the Big Ten network isn't half of it or close to half of it owned by Fox. Right. And so I don't know how that complicates, you know, network contracts uh, with the Big Ten if they have an exclusivity with the with Fox or I'm guessing they don't but I, I, I don't know but I, I can see them going to NBC because NBC is looking for content and especially on Saturday afternoons in the fall I mean they do have Notre Dame but that's just one game a week so that wouldn't surprise me um, I, I do think they'll pursue it though I think they'll pursue the best deal that they can get and the other part of CBS, which will be out of the SEC, they're going to want content. That's also true, Steve. Great point. If you know, we forget that that ESPN is taking over the SEC coverage or SEC package too. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see to see what develops over the next several years. But uh, you know, I, I I believe, and you know, I know Jim Delaney's not there anymore, but I, I do believe that the the Big Ten will get the best package it po- it can possibly get with whatever network. All right. And especially after, I think they released all the numbers on everybody. I guess 11 out of the 14 lost uh, eight figures or more last year, which was expected. I, what I didn't expect was three only lost seven figures. <laughs> that was, I said, wow, how'd they do that? Uh, don't know, but they did. I think Illinois lost like three and a half million or some, some number like that. Uh, name, image, and likeness. During his press conference, um, James Franklin, back on the uh, first Wednesday of the month, you know, spent some time talking about, look, st- staying ahead. How difficult is it for any school to stay ahead in this atmosphere of name, image, and likeness, especially considering the market you're in versus maybe a market somebody else is in? Um, to stay ahead of... Some other competitors? Yes, or, to stay at you know, other competitors where you feel like people come to your school and they're getting the best they can out of name, image, yeah, and likeness. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is a hot topic with James Franklin, as you probably know. Yes. And <laughs> and um, I see that they're advertising 
the university is advertising for somebody to direct those efforts, which I, if if you would put James Franklin on a lie detector, I'm sure he would say that it was overdue. And um, I, I I do think that being in central Pennsylvania, which where I spent a lot of time and where I have spent a lot of time and an area where I love is not the same as spending it in Columbus, which is the capital of Ohio. It's a smaller market, plain and simple. The opportunities with NIL in Center County aren't as great. So that I'm guessing whoever takes this job is going to have to reach out and spread out and, and, and try to um, negotiate deals with in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, that kind of thing throughout the state, rather than just focus on Center County. But I know I wrote a column, I think it was, I can't remember, a month ago. I, the, the days are going by so fast. Yeah. And that some of the some of the deals a month ago were incredible. Ohio State claims that it has the the number one NIL um, packages for its athletes. Texas. We got a USC. Look at Caleb Williams. Got a deal as soon as um, he transferred, basically, to, from Oklahoma to USC. So, yeah, there be it, Penn State is behind, and this is something that I don't think we're, um, the NCAA is going to go back on. And it's borderline professionalism, mm -hmm. yes. uh, and well, like it or not, that's what that's what we're that's what the situation is. And if you don't uh, want to participate, you're going to be left behind. And that's the bottom line. I mean, because this, in some ways, is playing out like I thought maybe a couple of years ago, that Columbus is the largest city in the state. There's a lot of industry in that city. Uh, and then you look at Alabama. In Alabama, you and I both know there are no pro entities there. I say that with all due respect to the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL. And, uh, but they're the franchise in that state. Uh, here... You got the Eagles, the Steelers, the Penguins, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Phillies, the Pirates, and, you know, and then there's Penn State. I mean, you, there's a lot of competition just in your own state. Yes, there is. And I go back to when Joe Paterno and J Jim Tarman traveled around the state trying to basically drum up support for Penn State football back in the 1960s and early 70s. I mean, that's what Penn State's um, – market clientele however you want to put it that's what it is it's really truly throughout the state they're the people who have supported penn state football for the longest period of time yes are the most loyal and ardent fans of the program and you know whether that's in you know wilkesbury scranton hazelton my hometown or down here in berks county in redding or wherever you know it it it's it that's where that's some. That's a. That's a uh, clientele that should not be ignored, um, and businesses that should not be ignored. And I'm, and I'm sure once this person is hired, whoever that may be, um, they're going to find that out fairly quickly. You're right. In Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, there's intense competition for for the um, um, disposable income dollar, and that's going to be that's going to be a big issue. So, but yeah, I mean Penn State. You know, this has been going on for almost what a year and a half, two years, Steve. Yeah. I, NIL. Yeah. I, 
and, and you know you got you got to get out ahead of this if you want to compete for a national championship. That's that's just the facts. I mean, whether we like it or not, um, that's just the way it is. Right, no, exactly right. And I think James framed it, framed it correctly. Ask yourself, what do you want to compete for? Well, everyone knows Penn State wants to compete for the national title. To do that, you got to go toe to toe in every area yes. along the way. Yes. Uh, this is um, Major League Baseball is going through its lockout phase right now. Mm-hmm. I have found there have been several interesting and fascinating articles that have been written about baseball that an area they're not talking about because the owners elect not to talk about the players are willing to talk about but how do you frame the game uh right now in terms of time and how it's being played so and let me give everybody just to you know help here college basketball is expected to fit into two-hour windows right as we all know okay college football is one that's warping a little bit longer every single year rich all the games you've watched, where are, you know, with more passing and more incompletions, games will go longer. Uh, I've got that. Is there any way that college football can reel something in in its time frame to, to, to instead of expanding the time it takes to play a game, contract it a bit? Well, the first thing is won't won't ever happen and that's to shorten the length of commercial time TV timeouts shorten it you know yeah. whether you have one spot two spots three spots whatever yeah. and those those TV timeouts quote unquote last Steve, what? You know better. Two and a half minutes? Three minutes? It depends on the network. They can get three minutes uh, if it's an ABC game and if it's a Big Ten network game. And I think it's like 2.30 or something like that. Well, you and I know. it. You know, when it involves money, that's not going to change. Exactly. Unfortunately. Yep. unfortunately. I I mean, those, those timeouts, to me, break the momentum of the game, the flow of the game. Um you know, people are just sitting there on their hands inside stadiums, whether it's Beaver Stadium or somewhere else. That's one thing, but that's not going to change. Right. So, you need they need to try to adjust the rules. Don't stop the clock for first downs. Agreed. You know, that's first. I mean, that's what. You, okay, how much does that take off? Who knows? Does it take off three minutes? I don't know. In a game, I don't know. I haven't. I've never timed it. But then. You also have to have, I mean, they're already doing that. You know, the clock runs even after a catch is made out of bounds. Yeah, until two minutes to go, yes. Right, right. So, and then incomplete passes, you, you know, most, you know, at the end of the game, you, you throw sometimes that, you, you want to stop the clock, you spike the ball. Well, do you do that? Do you allow that just in the last five minutes? Do you allow it all game? Do you, what, like, or whatever. I don't know. I, I mean, are Incomplete passes, should you continue running the clock? These are all things for rules committee people to discuss. But that's really the, the main culprit in the length of games is, is the TV timeouts. But that's right. not going to change. That's not going to change. And, you know, the odd part is I'd cut five minutes off halftime. I mean, right now halftime is 20 minutes. The NFL's 12. So 15, because I don't want to cut out anything that the blue band does. Maybe. Steve, that's a great point. I, you're right. I, I I thought of that. You're right. 20 minutes is way too long. Yeah, and we, and you wouldn't have to cut off what the blue band does because you know, there are people that are loyal. They love that halftime show. I got it. 
but they don't take the full 20 minutes. What ha- I mean, you and I both see, after mm-hmm. the band's done, there's a lot of dead time. Yes, there is. Right? And that's the time I say you've got to cut out and just, you know, now we're up to cutting the game back in what we're talking about here between stoppage of the clock on, on first downs and so forth. I think we've now reeled the game back maybe eight, nine minutes. And that's, at least that's progress. At least that's something. You know, it's, the, will the game still last 315 or 320? Probably. But at least that's something. I mean, some of these games, I just it, it's it's there's it's hard to watch sitting through there, sitting there watching it, and I can't even imagine people at home, like, you know, you're sitting there for three and a half minutes in yeah. the action, and yeah. that's not good. That's just yeah. not. So there's only so many sandwiches you can make. <laughs> All right. uh, our gang earlier was talking about Aaron Rodgers. So um, let's talk Who? to um, the guy that has been the quarterback for the Packers since Brett Favre. <laughs> yes. Okay. So can you, as a longtime Packers watcher, can you figure out what the heck he's saying? Oh, in the in the IG? No, I, I think, <laughs> I mean, we probably have talked about this on, on your show. Probably, or off the air, too, we probably talked about it. Yeah, I enjoy watching him play football. Yep. I think it's clear that he loves to be the center of attention yeah. off the field. Yeah. And loves maybe he doesn't love the drama, but he he seems to thrive on it. Yes. And I I'm telling you the last 2 weeks and just even a little bit ago before you guys called me I mean, his name every morning is mentioned on ESPN's talk shows. Yes. At, at, at nauseum. Yes. I mean, like, I'll give you an example. I don't want to say who the person was. I just heard, watched a national talk show. And the host is a guy I really like. Yeah. And had a national reporter who, who, for a major network talking to him about Aaron Rodgers and said, well, he's going. He's going to make a decision soon. Oh, yeah, and he's either going to resign with the Packers, ask for a trade, or retire. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't realize that those were the options. Really? It's, it's, it, it's. They must be told they have to mention Aaron Rodgers ten times a day or something. Yeah. I mean, come on. He has said he's going to make a decision before the free agency period. When's the free agency period? Oh, it's coming up in, what, less than two weeks? Yeah. Of course he's going to make a decision soon. He has said that repeatedly. I know. It drives me. I'm sorry I'm getting animated. Oh, no, I understand. I, I'm with it drives you. drives me nuts. Okay, that's it. No, I'm <laughs> with you. Because I mean, the cover. Uh, the coverage is nonstop. It's like every time LeBron has a, yeah. has a press conference, everything... Listen to what LeBron had to say. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what he has to say. It's like, all right, I got it. Yeah. You know, your last movie wasn't very good. I got it. All right. <laughs> My friend, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I was glad we were able to work this out. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. You too, my friend. Bye. Rich Scarcella, Redding Eagle. I like Feisty Rich. <laughs> Feisty Rich. Yeah. Hey, it matches up with Feisty You. <laughs> hey, everybody knows you're feisty now. 
Huh? The real Macatrill comes out. You know, mild mannered. No, 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 no. Well, you are feisty. But in Rich's case, rightfully so. Oh, there's moments where you're justified, but, you know, it's actually mostly on small items. All right, we'll come back, <laughs> come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Subway Motors. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a fabulous service department, whether it's routine, inspections, or diagnostics. They take care of it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Great to be joined, as always, by Bob Nightingale, USA Today. My friend, welcome back. Great to have you with us again. Yeah, my pleasure, Steve. All right, so... uh, Bob, where do we stand today? <laughs> well, they uh, you know met this morning for about thirty minutes, and uh, you know they're uh, meeting again this afternoon. So, and it's like anything else, everybody waits the deadline. Deadline's midnight Monday. I still think that if they're close, they could push them, you know, book back to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I have a hard time believing they can't get a deal done by the uh, you know by the end of next week. Well, where, uh, in your opinion, based on your reporting, where do they need to close the gap so they feel comfortable they can close it out? Well, they haven't even started talking about the collective uh, bargaining tax yet, you know, the uh, luxury tax. So that's a little uh, worrisome. Uh, they're still uh, far apart there. But, you know, as far as the uh, salary arbitration, uh, you know, now it's like, uh, you know, the players have said, okay, how about the top – 75% of the guys who have two years service. Baseball is 22%, top 22%. And there's a big difference in the money as far as uh, how much is in that pool. You know, whether it's a uh, you know, $95 million difference between the two sides. But, and even, you know, the uh, minimum salary, you know, they're, uh, they're far apart, but they, they can easily meet in the middle and give about $700,000 for minimum salary. It used to be 570. So I think the owners are on board as far as giving younger players the money. 
uh, or they differ, is that they still want to penalize the teams that uh, spend big to help out the small market teams. Is there a sense of urgency on each side? Well, yeah. I mean, MLB yesterday told the uh, players, hey, if uh, we don't get a deal done by Monday, uh, you know, we're going to have to delay the start of the season. And, and not delay it, just, you know, cancel games. If we cancel games, you're not getting paid. So there's a sense of urgency there. You know, the players responded by saying, well, then we won't give you a uh, expanded playoffs. You won't be able to wear, you know, decals and patch, you know, patches on corporate sponsors on uniforms, that sort of thing. So I, I think, you know, no one's presented our best offer yet. I think that's going to come, uh, you know, Sunday, Monday. Best offer. Okay. I was hoping the best offer would be made last July, but that's all right. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I mean, they, uh, you know, it's like they've had all, you know, they could talk about this all summer long, all winter long. But when a lockout happened on the midnight December 1st, you know, there was another bargain negotiation uh, for 43 days. And they only had six, you know, from then. Then finally, of course, they, you know, sat down in, uh, in Jupiter, Florida, where they are now. And this is the fourth straight day that talked. You know, first time they ever ever they talked four straight days. You love baseball. I love baseball. Right. So we both love the game of baseball, the sport of baseball. I wonder sometimes if those in baseball think it's still 1956 where it's baseball, boxing, horse racing, and they don't know it's 2022. That's just my opinion from 30,000 feet. How do you view how they view themselves in the big picture of what sports is? Well, I think there's, I think there's some worry there. they got to be worried. I mean, I bet you, Steve, 90% of the country didn't know there was a lockout until Monday after the Super Bowl. It's like, what do you mean spring training's not happening? Uh, you know, people weren't talking about baseball. There was a, you know, Gen Z survey nationally, you know, a month or two ago. And, uh, you know, so 2,100 uh, adults only had baseball as their sixth favorite professional sport, even behind beach volleyball. Uh, tennis has dropped down four straight years. Lowest rated World Series of all time uh, was last year. So they got, they got some problems. Do they realize they have problems? It's one thing for you and, and you and me to recognize there's a problem. Did they realize that? Well, they 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 should. Uh, I mean, just with the uh, you know the popularity, with the declining attendance, uh, declining TV ratings, it, it should be a wake up call. Uh, you know, we'll see how many sellouts there are this year. I think t- season ticket sales are down about, or ticket sales in general are down about thirty percent across the board. People are kind of discussing what's, what's going on and that uh, you know, a lockout is even happening. So, uh, you know, even when this lockout ends and they start playing baseball, they haven't done anything to change the, uh, you know, change the game. We're still going six, eight minutes before uh, balls being put in play, you know, more strikeouts and walks. So that, that part hasn't been addressed whatsoever. Which was going to be my next question. Bob's done the show so many times he anticipates my next question. Uh, <laughs> and my next question was going to be about that. Now, it tell I don't I don't know if I'm right about this. My understanding was the players were willing to talk about game changes and how the game has changed, but the owners didn't want to at this particular time because there are other the they want to get to the economic issues. Am I right or wrong about that? 
Well, I, I think, yeah, the, the owners didn't want to bog it down. Like, you know, we got enough problems to uh, solve on economic issues. Let's don't mess around with this. It's a, uh, you know, hate to say waste of time, but they just didn't want to get involved in it. So they said, let's save this. I mean, if they wanted to, Rob Manford and, you know, MLB office can uh, implement it by giving one-year notice. So you can still do that before uh, opening day. And he definitely wants a, uh, a pitch clock. But, yeah, I mean, they hired up the Epstein and everybody else to try to make changes in baseball. And, uh, you know, it's not going to happen for a couple of years. It's interesting because right now, obviously, I've got another basketball game to do with Northwestern on Friday night. Dave, the late Dave Gavitt, when he put together the Big East, always talked about how college basketball needs to fit into two-hour windows for TV. Okay. Uh we know, you know, hockey's about two fifteen. Now, football we has gone longer because of incomplete passes, but it should be in that three to three fifteen range. Baseball, of course, doesn't have a time frame on anything. Do they realize the TV windows, which also satisfies ballpark windows, need to start being satisfied? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and the time of game keeps going on. It's like, well, at three eleven last year, but yes. it's not the time of the game. It's just the inaction. I mean, six minutes before a ball is put in play, right? Uh, you know, two thousand more strikeouts and uh, hits. Uh, you know, someone said to me, I thought it was perfect, is that if the NFL was like baseball, you'd have a quarterback stand back and throw a bomb on every play. Hey, it's, it's cool when it works. You know, once or twice a game. And that's what's happening in baseball. We're just kind of waiting for a home run. Okay, that last 30 seconds of action. But there's no rallies. I mean, the beauty about the NFL or, you know, college football is the drives. Uh, and, you know, in baseball, it's the rallies. And we don't have any more. We don't, get, we don't see guys getting on base and that sort of thing. You know, there's so many former players, uh, you know, Hall of Famers, Goose Gossett, John, that are just disgusted with the game. They say it's hard to, even, you know, they, they can't watch it. Uh, I, I do respect people who put together analytics. I do. It's not as if like, I'll sit there and use a stat here and there when the moment is right when I'm broadcasting a game. But I've always I've felt of late that those who love sabermetrics feel it is the only way to win a game, while I look at it as one of the ways to win a game. How do you view that? Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta watch the game. It's like when. Uh... You know, when Cash of Tampa Bay, you know, pulled out Blake Snell. I know that was her system or everything else, but you got to watch how he's doing it. The uh, analytics is just, you know, math. It's taking away the uh, the human element. You know, don't tell me a guy can, uh, a pitcher can pitch the same way in the ninth inning as the seventh inning. They can't. You know, guys are different. If there's a one-run one lead, or, uh, some guys can handle it. Some, some guys can't. Same with uh, pressure moments and, and things like that. So, you know, Inlex has always been part of the game. I mean, it's like math. I remember sitting in the Whitey Herzog's office, and he had spray charts on where guys are hitting. You know, but nobody, you know, said, okay, this is the, uh, you know, it, it means everything. Let's take out the human element. And that's, that's not right. Right. And that's, that's different. All right. So uh, there's been, as time has gone in recent years, you talked about spray charts. Spray charts also mean shifts. All right, because you're taking all that knowledge and saying, hey, this is where he hits it. These are his hot spots, so you cover it. Every sport has restrictions on movement somewhere. 
baseball defensively does not, do they need, in your opinion, to think about restricting shifts, just go too left, too right? They may have to. I mean, at some point, you know, it's not, you know, you would hope the hitters would adjust. Like, okay, hit the ball the other way. If there, you know, <laughs> know. nobody's standing, uh, you know, on the uh, left side of second base, you know, you can't lay down a bunt or slap the ball that way and probably get a double out of it. Uh, but yeah, maybe you at least start in the dirt. Uh, everybody's got to be in the dirt when the uh, the ball is thrown. Then you can run out to you on know, short right field or you know what have you. Uh, you know, maybe that try try that in moderation. So I understand, you know, left-handed hitters being uh, frustrated, that sort of thing. But you know, you know, it, but take advantage of you know when they're giving you that much space. Uh, you know, that to hit a ball to the left side and, and you know, literally you can run to second base. Nobody, nobody's around. So, but yeah, we'll see. I I, I think they may they may have to do something on that just to. Uh, uh, do something to help it, help the uh, hitters because it's, it's tough to watch. I was at a game at Fenway Park, and the Red Sox were playing the Royals, and David Ortiz came to the plate. And of course, they had three guys on the right side. I think it was, I think in this case, it was the third baseman that was playing in the shortstop spot. And Ortiz dropped a bunt down the third baseline, and of course, he. Even for David Ortiz, he beat it out with relative ease. Okay, <laughs> okay. And everybody gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> so, like, so I've seen it. <laughs> I've witnessed it. Uh, what's this oh, yeah, been? Yeah, yeah. I had uh, breakfast a few days ago. Goose Gotches used to talk about Boo Pal. He said they shifted on Boo Pal. He goes, Boo Pal laid down by five straight bunts. That's that end of that. They quit shifting on Boo Pal. It's yeah. like, you know, uh, yeah, take, take what they give you. Right, exactly. What's this been like for you who loves covering the game, covering personalities, being at a ballpark, to cover the sport this way and what they're doing right now? Well, it's, it's tough to watch. I mean, some of these games are so dull. Uh, you know, you know, it's like a, uh, I don't mind long games. I and mean, when they're exciting, you know, whether it's a, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some of these World Series games, uh, the, those games in WBC, uh, are, are really exciting, you know. And they, uh, but yeah, you just have to see some action. And so the trouble is now, in the last couple of years, you know, with the COVID restrictions, so you're not in the clubhouse talking to players or manager or coaches, you know, just a, uh, you know, Zoom call type thing. Uh, you're not seeing the baseball scouts around, so you're not talking to them. So you're relegated to just sitting there and watching a, uh, a, a game that's become dull. I mean, you know, I love the postseason. I'm not saying the postseason is dull. But you know, there's too many games that just take forever uh, without a ball being put in play. Yeah, because I was talking to Corey Provis, who does the Twins, and uh, Jason Benetti, who does the White Sox, and they both do Big Ten basketball. That's why you know I've had a chance to to talk with them along the way. And of course, because of COVID, they can't really get around the batting cage that often. How tough has that been to to get away from that part of it? And are you concerned that they will continue to keep you away from it? Yeah, I mean the uh, yeah interaction's nothing uh, like it was, you know. Uh, so you know re- the re- you know uh, the restrictions are being uh, you know reduced or uh, completely eliminated, you know, in, in different states now and uh, you know municipalities. So hopefully uh, they'll, they'll let us back in. I did, I did read where the NBA is going to keep uh, reporters out for uh, you know maybe forever. Uh, you know they were saying that at the All Star game. 
So we'll see. Major League Baseball, at least the uh, communication department, said, hey, everybody's allowed in. You know, we, uh, you're allowed in pending uh, union approval. So we'll see what the union says. I mean, I can't see being back in a clubhouse in spring. It's going to be too wild and, you know, let's ease off a little bit with the uh, you know, guys coming from everywhere with, with COVID. But at some point during the year, I would think you got to get back in the clubhouse and just get some nice, you know, personality pieces and perspectives so people know who these players are. That's the part they need to understand. You tell their stories. Right? And the vast majority of the stories, the vast, are good right? and fun. Uh, yeah, particularly in baseball, where you know, come from every walk of life, and you know you can yeah. look like you know you can be six foot ten or five foot three, and you know have the same kind of career. Uh, yeah, everybody, there's so many good stories in baseball. Yeah, and you guys tell them. Uh, finally, finally, what's it been like for you trying to cover this and the economics of it, and as opposed to covering a game? Well, it's just so strange. I mean, I don't think 99% of baseball fans could care less. Just, hey, when does the season start? When is the lockout ending? I don't think they care for the drips and drabs of uh, the labor negotiations. Uh, you know, now it's hot, you know starting to heat up until you know Monday. You know, they got to cancel another you know game, uh, week of spring training games. That's going to come uh, you know here in a, in a few days. But yeah, I mean, it's just a uh, not what anybody wants. I mean. The postseason is my favorite time of the year. Spring training is my second favorite time. I love spring training, seeing guys and seeing guys relax. Got you haven't seen guys all winter, and uh, you know, and now that's 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 eroded big time. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today. Uh, we'll come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Sponsored by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 W. That he's loved and that his love for the players allowed them to perform like that. Who's loved? One Jawan Howard. Oh, was that Phil? That was Phil Martelli, yeah. Oh, that was Phil. Yeah. Post game last night. Well, I mean, look, he recruited him. You know, you know just because uh, he steps out of line or he throws certain people out of shoot around and things like that, that's not his team. With his team... Yeah, you, know, you got to understand that you know when you're thirty thousand feet on a team. I think you make assumptions about it. When you're around it all the time, you see certain things. And believe me, I mean, I wouldn't doubt they love him. You recruited them. He's around them all the time. They have to go into his office to talk to him all the time. He's got to coach him on the floor all the time. They go on road trips together. They get serious about stuff. They get yelled at, and they laugh. So um, this is a you know this is a team in Michigan, for example, where you know like Hunter Dickinson came back. I mean, he's got a lot of guys come back. 
that I thought were like, hey, maybe they're ready to go, but you know, but decided to stay. I and mean, there's a couple of guys the last couple of years. Isaiah Livers was one. I thought Isaiah Livers was going to go. He stayed. <laughs> now he's not on this year's team because he was finally done. But you know, again, if you're not around it every day, um, it's always important if people don't make assumptions about. Oh, that can't be right. Well, it very well could be right. You know, you've got to be around it all the time to, to understand how people feel. I mean, believe me, and are there times where you can tell people are not enamored with coaches? Absolutely you can tell there are times where people are not enamored with coaches. Absolutely. It's not always a kumbaya deal, believe me. Um. But a lot of times, you know, I've been around a lot of teams that are close-knit. And when you have a close-knit team, that's really cool. And, yeah, they do love the coaching staff, and they do love the coach very, very much. They'll run through a wall for him. You're like, ah, you'd run through a wall for that guy? Again, it depends on what your experience is. Because, you know, do you get yelled at? Yeah. Do you get criticized? Yeah. Do you get corrected? Yes. Do you get praise? Yes. Do you laugh and kid around? Yes. Uh, you know, how well, you know, does he know your family? Yes. Now, um, when push comes to shove, is he, you know, the the kind of person that will, you know, the rest of your life will be a major connection to help you in life because... Uh, loyalty is a two-way street. Yeah, I mean, you'll see that over and over again. You know? So I don't doubt they love him. I don't doubt that at all. I don't think, you know, I don't, and I know I, I've, I've talked to Phil enough and know him well enough to know he's not going to sit there and he's not going to BS you about how they feel about the deal. You know? I'm glad, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, Phil coaching is kind of, you know, to me, it's kind of cool. I like Phil. Oh. That's why, you know, they won last night over Rutgers when it's in the league going, oh, yeah, Phil's coaching, real big shock. Phil knows how to coach. I am amazed, though, that he does tolerate Juwan Howard. Yeah, but you don't know the working relationship with them. I know. Just because, just because Jawan Howard gets mad at pick, you know, opposing team, opposing coach, an official, uh, whatever. Okay? Uh, let me give you an example. The first basketball coach I work with here at Penn State was Dick Carter. There are a lot of people around here that struggled with Dick Carter. Guess who got along great with Dick Carter and he got along great with me? It was Dick Carter. Dick Carter and I got along great. But there are a lot of people around here that did not. But he and I were always fine. Never an issue. He's always caught up with me later in life to see how I was doing. 